Welcome to Spirited Word. By God's Word proclaimed, the Holy Spirit works faith in God's grace in Jesus, when and where He pleases. Sermons by Pastor Adrian Kitson, Lutheran Church of Australia. challenge of I do. It's a tough thing sometimes to keep saying I do. We hope, we pray, that this is encouraging for all those who have ever had to say I do or would like to. We thank you Lord for the opportunity to, to reflect on the gift of marriage and relationships in general and not just that but on um, how you work in them and, and how you call us to live in them. So be with everybody here, be with me, be with everybody as your spirit calls us and guides us and counsels us and challenges us and teaches us your word on really critical thing called marriage and relationships. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So you heard it there, I won't read it again. There's, okay, you've got to understand what Jesus is dealing with here to sort of start. Um, he's, he's targeting a particular thing in his culture uh, which is pretty well known, and he even says this later on, a flagrant disregard for marriage, you know, just generally, uh, treating it with no respect and you know, not caring at all about it, that kind of thing. Uh, mostly the men in his particular community uh, are sort of twisting the, the original Old Testament uh, laws around marriage and divorce and etc. to make it real easy for themselves. And we do that a lot with lots of things, not just marriage. But in this particular case, they're twisting things around to sort of get off the hook and do whatever they want, basically. That's what we do. In Deuteronomy 24, a bit after this reading, we, a bit before this reading we just heard in the Old Testament, Moses acknowledges that where there's marriage, there'll probably be some divorce. Uh, and so he, he tells them some ways, or a way, uh, to, if, you, if it absolutely has to come to an end, then do hopefully there can be some semblance of dignity uh, and less pain and probably a lot more protection for the woman in their culture. So Moses says two things uh, about this issue of divorce when marriage ends. Uh, if the husband wants to end the relationship for whatever reason, better be good, he must at least provide his wife with an official certificate of divorce. Why? This tells everyone in town that it wasn't her fault. She wasn't unfaithful and she didn't do anything wrong. So it's to protect the woman, or in our case, the partner who has uh, been left or whatever. Um, so that's one thing he does, certificate of divorce, official, so there's protection and hopefully less pain and some dignity. And also, uh, the certificate acknowledges the seriousness of the break, does it not? certificates heighten the seriousness of something and he actually says Moses says there's no coming back to this relationship once that's happened so marriage is a gift and breaking it is a big deal and you can't simply pretend nothing has happened and just keep swanning along as if no hurt has been done and no covenant has been broken can't do that and no damage okay you get the idea so in this particular uh, thing with Jesus, um, divorce is a bit different to what we 
would think about it, maybe, we would probably call it more like abandonment. That was actually how people were doing divorce, was abandoning. So married men, mainly, uh, are simply abandoning their wife and kids. Just see you later. I'm leaving. All the best. Uh, Or not even doing that, just not coming home one night for months, years. Usually, to get a bit on the side, they found something better. The grass is greener across the next fence. And then they, amazingly, they were turning up back home eventually when they're ready, saying, hey, here I am, lover. Here I am, wife. <laughs> I'm pretending this marriage, this marriage is still a goer. So they were either doing that or they were doing the other thing. They were simply shooing away their wife as quietly as possible to avoid any blame or any responsibility. Either way, that's what's going on. So, interesting, I read a sermon by Martin Luther in 1530, exactly the same thing was going on in his day. Men, based mainly, again, in that culture, it doesn't have to be, not in our culture, they ended their marriage as quietly as possible. What you did is just abandon your wife and your kids for another woman. If the woman happened to be married, it was just a matter of getting the other husband to give her up to you, whatever cost, he knows, with nothing being said so that he's also not culpable and responsible. So gets off scot-free from this deal. That's what's going on in Luther's day. Okay, basically he ends up saying this, in matters of marriage and divorce, everyone acted pretty much as he pleased without being ashamed or having a bad conscience about it. That's how he sums it up. And then he gets to the, the real issue. And this is the real issue, I think. He says, we have no right to make marriage a free thing, as though it were in our power to do with it as we pleased, changing and exchanging as we feel like. But the rule is the rule or the, the basis or the character is this, as Jesus again says, and you know these words because every wedding you go to, you hear this at the end, what God has joined together, let no one separate. That's the general intent of God with marriage. Okay, so Jesus speaks to this total disregard and pretty bad behaviour when it comes to marriage, uh, sort of grubbing the gift into the ground and paying no attention to it at all, and he calls people back to it. It's meant to be a life-giving, life-filled, wonderful partnership for life between people, a lifelong relationship of partnership and intimacy and trust and joy and working together in the world to bring great blessing to a whole bunch of people, including your whole community. That's what it's meant to be. And Jesus affirms that. He says, God is the creator and the giver of this great gift for people. Any people, not just Christian people. Any people. Lifelong, faithful, loving union of male and female is part of the very fabric of being human, is it not? From the highlands of Papua New Guinea to the vineyard Ilumba for the couple getting married over there. It's in everybody's DNA, this, this, this communal, intimate togetherness. We need to get married. We, we live with marriage. It's, a, it's in part of our fabric. God's the creator of that. Marriage is the union, I know, of a man and a woman. Oh, I know Australia has decided differently. We're not talking about that today. We'll be here all day. I get that. Maybe later. Uh, big issues to face there. But anyway, this union is to exclude all other people And it's entered into publicly and voluntarily, no coercion, uh, for the whole of life. That's the marriage 
gift. That's the plan. That's the shape of it. A why to unite one man and one woman so they become one flesh, whatever mysterious, wonderful word that is, in every possible way, all kinds of ways. Oneness, one flesh, become unity, one person, one being, one life. Partners in life, best friends to face the world. Together in this relationship, everybody, each one is complementary. Mutual submission, mutual care, giving up of each other's life for each other. That's the God pattern of marriage. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Um, For those couples who are married who are called to parenting, and not all couples are, uh, marriage is the place to raise and nurture and teach and shape children, of course, uh, within the framework of a family for the good of all the community. Not just about my needs and my little kids, but the community. Marriage is a communal event, a communal thing. And the last one, to provide a safe place, a safe place for a man and a woman to experience as much intimacy and joy and commitment and character as is possible between people for the long haul, including sexual intimacy, of course, but way more than that, way more than that. So God is very keen about this, and so he protects his gift with a direct commandment that he places right in the Ten Commandments. You can't miss it. He protects his gift by absolutely forbidding unfaithfulness, adultery. It's out. It's always wrong. It's never right as far as God is concerned. Exodus 20, if you want to read it. Most challenging for the people hearing this sermon this day on the grassy slopes of the Sea of Galilee is the bit about unfaithfulness doesn't have to be having sex with someone. It can be the twinkle of an eye across a room. It's in the heart. It's a matter of the heart. Okay, that's the picture. And we know, and I know, and you know, marriages break. They just do. How many people do you know? I've lost count. Long, 15 years ago, I lost count of how many people I know whose marriages have come to an end for all kinds of reasons. Uh, and many in my own family are people I love. Len and I, in our, my family, are the only ones married, stayed, kept married, you know. Uh, and of all my extended family, there's only one other uncle. Everybody else is divorced and remarried, and, and, and a, a few times, actually, sometimes. So I, I get it. I grew up in a divorced household uh, three times. I get it. Um, so, and the thing is that Christians get divorced just as much as everybody else. Maybe a little less, but we get divorced. Christians get divorced too. I know plenty of people, so do you. It's the way it is. And boy, the pain is so deep and the damage so extensive, is it not? So God says marriage is a beautiful gift for all people. Any cheapening of it, any selfish use of it, any manipulation, any triviality of it, uh, where we get to think that we can just treat it the way we want on our terms in our way, uh, that is not how it is best done. Uh, Jesus calls us to hang on to it at all costs. He does. If this relationship in trouble can be saved by any means, then be Nike couples. Just do it. Do it. If it can be saved, do it. Try anything. Ah, It all needs eventually to come back to genuine repentance and forgiveness. It always has to start there. That's how peace is really made. So somewhere to get back to repentance and forgiveness... That's where it needs to be. That's God's plan A for marriage, when it's in trouble or when it's not. In fact, it's plan A for the whole of life, actually. 
But as we know, couples really struggle to find the way. It's just impossible sometimes for true reconciliation. So they settle for conflict resolution, which is what divorce is. It resolves the conflict, but it's not reconciliation. The amazing thing is that I find very hopeful at this point in my own family and for my own life and my own marriage is that Jesus knows about this. He knows it all. He obviously knows all this because what does he do? Reluctantly, I'm imagining, he concedes divorce. He does it as a last resort. And then Paul does it as well on two grounds and two grounds only as far as I can tell. Unfaithfulness, not just sexual but just general unfaithfulness. Uh, Abandonment, sort of together I suppose. And unworkable differences because of the gospel because of faith in the grace of God in Jesus. So uh, you've got the text, the gospel, unless a partner has committed some terrible sexual sin, unfaithfulness, that's Matthew 5.32 and Matthew 19.9, and Paul, you've got it there, but if the unbelieving partner separates or leaves, let it be so. In such a case, the brother or sister, the Christian person, is not bound. It is to peace that God has called you. Pretty interesting, isn't it? Oh, friends, why is marriage so hard? Why is it so hard and why do we struggle so much? Well, his friends ask him this question, his disciples. Jesus, if God said that what he puts together no one should try and separate, yeah, he did say that, then why on earth did Moses say that you've got to give a certificate of dismissal to divorce your wife? They don't go together, they're opposites. What's going on? Why Why did he do this? And Jesus responds with these fantastic words that give me all the hope in the world. It is because what? You were so hard-hearted. That Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But, he says, from the beginning, this was not so. This isn't plan A. It's not plan A. And there is the heart of the problem. The human heart. So, I find enormous grace about this point. Even though this beautiful lifelong relationship of repentance and forgiveness and joy and intimacy and peace is God's plan A for everybody, not just Christians, it can and does break and he knows it. He's aware of it. It breaks because we have a heart problem. So I find great hope here. Hope for anyone who has failed at marriage or anything else actually in your life for that matter. There's hope when you've been wronged and when you've been damaged and there's hope when you've done the wronging and you've caused the damage. Our heart problem of loving things and people and ourselves way more than God and seeking life in everything but his promises and his patterns and directions for life, that's been healed And it can be healed by the forgiveness won for us by this man. Forgiveness for the married, forgiveness for the adulterer, forgiveness for the prostitute, forgiveness for the loose, forgiveness for the divorced. It's been hard won for you. And what about being married again then? The last piece of the puzzle. What do you think about that? Well, is it okay to be remarried? It seems not on a first reading, not at least easily, and certainly not automatically. 
as if nothing has happened. Can't do that. There is no automatic approval given for the remarriage of divorced people in Scripture, as far as we know. Divorce always brings the possibility of unfaithfulness and trouble and pain into people's lives. No one is squeaky clean in a divorce, are they? If you divorce your wife, you, call, you will cause her to be unfaithful, just as, you, as any man who marries her is guilty of taking another man's wife. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for unchastity and marries another, man, another wife commits adultery. Hmm. Many divorced Christians, I know personally, take this word at face value and they have decided as divorced people they will never marry again. They believe that it's wrong for Christians who have had their chance at marriage and failed to marry again too. And they say that people like me, pastors, who marry, remarry divorced people are wrong for whatever reason. I can kind of see why. They want to obey the Lord. They want to protect the gift of marriage from any more abuse and they want to avoid more pain. I understand that. But I've got to tell you, this is not just anyone speaking about marriage. This is God himself, the creator of it, speaking about marriage. In this sermon by the sea, Jesus is definitely upholding the Old Testament law. He says not one stroke will be omitted and should be lost from the law. You can't just dismiss the law of God as if it's not of any use. It is. But notice what he says all the time through this Sermon on the Mount, and you would have heard it many times. You have heard it said by the law, now I tell you. He is doing something with this old law. He's doing something new with this old law. And he's not making a new bunch of laws. He's not a new lawgiver. He's much, much more than that. What's he doing? You know the word. You've probably come across it a lot. What is Jesus doing with the Old Testament law? He's not making a new law. He's not forgetting the whole thing. He is what? Anybody remember the word that Scripture uses? He is fulfilling. Now that's different. He is fulfilling the whole Old Testament law. Himself. God. God is perfectly keeping his own law so it can be kept by more after him. So, he said he came to fulfill the old laws about divorce, not make us live by a whole new set of other laws about divorce. How? How? He himself is going to keep the Old Testament law perfectly, like no one could ever do or has been able to do. He's going to live the life that we with our heart problem can't live and he's going to die a death that we can't die. He's going to do the lot because we can't do anything. You get it? Like a couple on their wedding day who publicly and voluntarily say, I do, that is exactly what Jesus the bridegroom is saying on the cross. I do to you. I will love you in sickness and in health, you know, and all the other vows that we make. I do. He says, I will do this. I mean it. I am committed to you. And his 
His sign of his marriage to us is not rings. What is it? Blood. His blood. So, marriage and remarriage. There are Christians who have been through deep pain and damage in divorce, who have actually fully acknowledged their fault and their blame and their responsibility before others and before the Lord. And they actually at the time did everything they possibly could and they tried really hard to save that relationship. But for various reasons, didn't work. And as a result, they got divorced and they never expected in a million years or even wanted to get married again. Come across people like that? I have. And then, to their great surprise, it happens. Someone loves them and they love them back. And they are overwhelmed with the grace of God and they've sat in my office and they've said, we can't believe Jesus is that good. We buggered it up. I stuffed my marriage up and he's letting me have another go for the rest of my life and I can't thank him enough. He's that good. He's that good to me. And what do they want to do? They want to get married. They want to honour Jesus and honour God's way and they want to love each other for the rest of their life and commit to each other and let God show them how to do it. Now, some would say, Jesus would say, nah, it's too late. You messed it up, mate. You had your chance and you blew it. No more marriage. Well, I tell you what, mate, if he treated me like that in other areas of life, I wouldn't have a life. Would you? Seriously? Really? Can you really stand on your own two feet and say, I don't need God's grace. I don't need forgiveness. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I know I do, especially me. So I'm saying, I don't hear Jesus saying, no, you can't do it. You can't get remarried. I just can't hear it. I just cannot hear it from the Jesus I know, who's not a new lawmaker. He's a grace bringer. I hear him say something like this, maybe. Repent and believe. Repent and believe the good news of God's grace for you when you can't earn it and you certainly haven't deserved it. Receive it. Receive his grace. Take marriage deadly seriously and don't trample all over it and don't manipulate it and don't use it to your own personal ends. Please don't watch that show. Married at first sight. Whoa, mate, what are we thinking? Oh, that's another sermon. And I think he says if you want to re-enter marriage, then okay, do it my way. Do it my way this time as much as you can. I'll bless you. Now, remarriage is no easy thing, and it ain't automatic, that's for sure, but it is possible. Um, I've refused to marry people, divorce people, only a couple of times, because there was no acknowledgement of fault or blame present and no respect of marriage itself. It was just a consumer product and a romantic day in the park for the wedding, you know, that kind of thing. Didn't go down well. Letters were written. Bishops were consulted about my terrible behaviour as a pastor. So be it. Uh, you just can't say yes all the time. I couldn't do it in good conscience. But I've been on the opposite way as well where it's been beautiful. You know, people owning their behaviour, you know, repentance, belief, grace, love, thankfulness to God for a new start and a new beginning. Beautiful. Or, alternatively, 
a very peaceful singleness. Marriage is there now, and I don't, I'm different now, and God's calling me to singleness, and I'm, that's okay. Beautiful, just beautiful. So Jesus loves his bride. He does call us his bride. He is the groom, and you're the bride, and he does say, I do. I don't know any divorced person who got married to get divorced. I, I don't know, you might. Well, if you take Kenny's advice of his definition of marriage, you might have done this. To find someone you don't like much and buy him a house. That's Kenny's definition of marriage. <laughs> it's pretty funny when he says it. Anyway, people make mistakes, friends. Uh, they hurt each other. Sometimes they own their part and sometimes they just go on blaming. Either way, divorce, unfaithfulness, the loss of a partner through death, it just hurts. It just hurts. And Jesus takes our hurt and he takes it to the cross and he removes it and he says, I do to you. And he affirms marriage as his beautiful gift of life and love for us. And he hates it when marriage is broken. But he lays down his life for broken people and for broken marriages. He lays down his life for them as husbands and wives are called to do for each other, to lay down their lives for each other. Sometimes he allows a new marriage to take shape and sometimes he doesn't. That's his call. Either way, he loves his bride. He loves you. He loves his broken church and he loves his broken people. And no matter the pain and the loss and the wrong and the damage, he says, I do, I do. So whoever you are, friend, in this building and those online, begin again today with the grace of the groom. Begin with that. And as he says just a little bit after this, in chapter 19, with Jesus, with me, all things are possible. In the name of Christ, Amen. the peace of God, the bridegroom of his bride, the church, Thanks for listening. Amen. Pastor Adrian serves at St. Petri Lutheran Church, New York, Barossa Valley, South Australia. stpetri.org.au